Our scripture today is from Isaiah 58, verses 13 and 14. I encourage you to follow along in your Bibles, or it's printed in your bulletin on page 11. If you are willing and able, will you please stand for the reading of God's word? May I remind you that the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Isaiah 58, verses 13 and 14. If you turn, your, turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own way, or seeking your own pleasure, or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Pam. Once again, welcome to the best place to be on the best day of the week. Today we conclude our short sermon series on the ordinary means of grace with a sermon on gathered worship, what we are doing right now together. You may remember I've, I've said that the ordinary means of grace are the gifts God gives to his people to bring us into a relationship with him and then help us grow and enjoy that relationship we have. The Westminster Shorter Catechism tells us that these ordinary means of grace are especially the word, sacraments, and prayer. Gathered worship is the context or the setting where we enjoy these ordinary means of grace. This is the setting, the context where all three, the word, sacraments, and prayer, are most effective. Think of gathered worship as the ordinary means on steroids, in a sense. This is where they become most powerful. Now, as we gather, we must walk by faith and not by sight. When we gather for worship together on the Lord's Day, we must walk by faith and not by sight, or we will miss the significance, the blessing, the feast that happens here and only here. If we walk by sight, we'll miss it. We'll get distracted. We'll get distracted by maybe our surroundings. Oh, we're meeting in a school gym. Or maybe the sound. The sound is too loud. No, it's too quiet. Or Troy's not wearing a tie today. I did that on purpose just so I could use that illustration. We must walk by faith and not by sight. The physical gathering of God's people to worship him together on the Lord's day. So this, right now. Right now, what we're doing right here. This is a foretaste of the future glory that awaits us in Christ that you cannot get anywhere else. Now, I want you to hear clearly what I'm saying. I'm not saying it only happens here at Proclamation. But all over the world, when the visible church gathers physically together to worship God Almighty, who is holy, 
holy, holy. When we gather to worship his son, our savior, Jesus Christ, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the son of man who came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. We come to worship he who is worthy of our worship. When we gather to worship this triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, by the power of the Spirit, who indeed is present and active right here, right now, with us, when God's people physically gather together to worship Him on the Lord's Day, we experience together this foretaste of the future glory that awaits us in Christ in a way that we cannot get anywhere else And this glorifies God, and it blesses his people. Amen? I want you to hold that thought for just a moment. And I want to focus on, just for a kind of a sidebar note of encouragement, on that one phrase, the foretaste of the future glory that awaits us in Christ. Because, beloved, for every child of God, for every one of you who know and trust in Jesus today, there is a coming glory that will be revealed to you that all of your present suffering cannot be compared to it is going to be so much better jesus is making all things new and so beloved for every child of god your very best days are always ahead of you the best is yet to come amen and physically gathering together for worship, what we're doing right now, what we do uh, every Sunday as the Lord gives us opportunity to do so. This is a foretaste of this future glory, and it feeds our faith to believe that and to remember these God-revealed, blood-bought, rock-solid truths that for every child of God, your bad will end in good. Your true good can never be taken away and The best is yet to come. Jonathan Edwards preached that sermon when he was 18 years old. We must walk by faith and not by sight so we do not miss the significance of what is truly happening right here, right now. God Almighty is at work. He is at work in this gathering to feed and strengthen your faith in a unique way that he does not do anywhere else. And so that's why I say, welcome to the best place to be on the best day of the week. So what is truly happening when we gather like this? What do we believe by faith is happening spiritually when we gather like this? I have shared this with you before, but I invite you, if you have your Bibles, to turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, and I'm going to read verses 22 through the beginning of verse 25. What is really happening? The scriptures say, But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word 
than the blood of Abel, see that you do not refuse him who is speaking. This is what is happening right now. Right now, the host of heaven, the angels and all the saints who have gone before, they gather around God's throne in heaven and we join with them in the worship of our triune God. We come, did you hear what it said? We come to the living God. We come to his son, Jesus. And by the spirit speaking through the word, God supernaturally powerfully blesses us and satisfies us with his feast. One of the joys I had when I was on sabbatical back in the fall was to gather for worship uh, at other churches and just to be fed by the preaching of the word. And the church that had what I thought was the best opening, the best welcome, was Calvary Orthodox Presbyterian Church in Middletown. And they started out with this, this call and response. They must do it because it wasn't written anywhere, but the leader just asked a question and the congregation responded. And, and this is what it was. This is, I have it written down. It said, he started by saying, what day is it? And they responded, the Lord's day. What do we do on the Lord's day? We worship the triune God. With whom do we worship? The saints in heaven and on earth Because our God is God of the living and not the dead. Amen? Amen. It's a wonderful way to begin. This is what we do right now. Think about the significance of that. Of what the Lord is doing in our midst. I also want you to think about the significance of that. The next time you're tempted to miss this gathering. The next time you're tempted to not come to the living God, to not come to Jesus, to not come to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. When you are tempted to not come to hear God himself speak to you through the preaching of his word in a unique way, a supernatural way, in which he builds you up in holiness and comfort through faith unto salvation, God does that here in a way that he doesn't do it when you're alone at home or out in the beauty of his creation. So think about that. Think about the significance of gathering together with God's people to worship him together on the Lord's day. The next time you're tempted to choose to do something else in place of what God has commanded you to do here. How often do we seek our own pleasure or go our own ways rather than calling the Sabbath a delight and honoring the holy day of the Lord. We certainly do that when we voluntarily skip this gathering to do something else. But we also can do it even when we are physically present here, but our hearts are elsewhere. So when you are tempted to miss this gathering, I just want to encourage you to ask yourself the question, is it worth it? Is it worth it? What are you missing when you make those exchanges? When you exchange the worship of God with his people as he commanded, where he speaks and blesses in a way that he does not anywhere else, and what do you gain in that exchange? You give up a lot. 
What do you gain? I just want to encourage you to examine it. Examine your heart. Take stock. Make an informed decision. At least know what you are doing and know what you are missing when you make those decisions. What do you miss if you're not here? Or what, another way you would ask it is, what do you gain if you are here? So one pastor compiled a list that I believe was made back in the spring of 2020 when uh, COVID first came on the scene and, and many churches were not meeting at all. And people started to say things that they miss, like heartfelt hugs and handshakes of dear friends, both old and new. The sound of God's people passionately raising their voices in praise together. And watching those. See, this is something you can get here and nowhere else. When you're part of a local church over time. As you look out and you sing those songs and you see people that you know who are going through painful trials. And they are lifting their voice, singing to our Father together, praying to our Father together. How encouraging is that to your own faith? And it compels you then to pray for your precious brothers and sisters. What do you miss? You miss God speaking to you through his word preached. You missed the, re- the robust amen of people resounding to the preached word. And here at Proclamation, we have it in stereo sound with my brother Teddy on my left and Jimmy on my right and various people in the middle. Thank you, brothers and sisters. Amen. You miss the saints feeling both victorious and defeated, experiencing grace and mercy in the Lord's Supper. When you're not here, you miss a meal with Jesus. I don't know, should I say it out loud? It's like Jesus has invited you over for a meal at his home and you say, no thank you, I have other plans. God forbid. It's true food for your soul. You miss opportunities to encourage and pray for and counsel and get to know both members and guests. You miss that sweet foretaste of the gathering around the throne in the new heavens and the new earth. Beloved, gathered worship is a gift from God to his people. For our good and for his glory. Welcome to the best place to be on the best day of the week. May we fully participate and enjoy our God today. Now let's read our passage from Isaiah once again. But before I do that, just a few things to keep in mind. It's a short passage from the Old Testament. In this Old Testament context, the Sabbath stood for the worship of God. Many of you know in the book of Acts, as the early church is forming and meeting, Sabbath worship shifted from the seventh day of the week to the first day of the week, to Sunday, the Lord's Day. Why? Because that was the day that Jesus, our Savior, rose from the dead. And so every Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. Every Sunday is Easter Sunday. He is risen. Hey, some of you got it. We can say that every Sunday, not only once a year. He's risen. He's risen indeed. Now let's turn to the prophet Isaiah, verses 13 and 14 once again. He writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure 
on my holy day and call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable. If you honor it, not going your own ways or seeking your own pleasure or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Beloved, God is glorified and his people are blessed and gathered worship in a way that does not happen anywhere else. Isaiah speaks of the Sabbath of gathered worship and he says, if you honor it, you will delight in the Lord and he will feed you. This is why the Westminster Shorter Catechism makes a distinction between simply the reading of the word and the preaching of the word. It says this, God makes the reading, but especially the preaching of the word, an effectual means of convincing and converting sinners and of building them up in holiness and comfort through faith unto salvation. That happens when we gather. Beloved, do you need comfort? God gives it to you here. Do you need to grow in holiness? God grows you in holiness here. One way to honor the Sabbath is to gather for worship on the Lord's Day coming ready and eager and expecting God himself to speak to you through the preaching of his word. And God will do that, and he'll do that when we gather, and he does it in a unique and powerful way. Now, we know, and I preached about this just a few weeks ago, I encouraged you to read the word of God on your own. So don't take this the wrong way. We know the Spirit can and does work in our lives as we read the Word of God on our own at home or or maybe in a Bible study with others. Those are good gifts from God. We ought to make use of them as we are able. And there is also something unique about God's use of the preaching of His Word and gathered worship. In Romans chapter 10, Paul says, faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of Christ. And he asked that question, how can they hear without someone preaching? <clears throat> now in today's world, you might say, well, I can just watch the live stream. I can hear preaching online. I don't have to physically come. But we know the live stream is not the same. And it's not a substitute. It's not a replacement for gathered worship. I know we've been asking you to check in It helps us to know if you are staying connected with us in some way when you're not able to physically gather together with us. But it's not the same as being here. I can give you a couple of reasons, but really I just have to ask a few questions, right? How many of you have ever watched the live stream still in your pajamas? I have. Yeah. How many of you have ever watched the live stream and maybe you're doing it right now, you go to the kitchen to get something to eat or heat up your coffee? I have. How many of you have ever watched the live stream while you also do something else. Maybe you're doing a puzzle or a craft or whatever it may be. That's what happens when we stay home and do the live stream. It's not the same. Now it is designed as to be used as a gift, as a blessing for God's people. But it's designed to be used only when you are physically unable to come. Maybe you're sick. Maybe you're homebound. Maybe you're out of town. It can be a blessing when it's used as design, but it also can be a danger if it becomes a replacement. And that is true of all of God's gifts. If we don't use them as designed, 
They can hinder our worship of our true God. So it's a danger if you could come, but you choose the live stream instead. That is not what Isaiah meant when he called us to honor the Sabbath. If you can't be here, the live stream is indeed a benefit, can be a benefit. It can be good for us as a church family to hear the same message, especially if you talk about it with one another. It's the message that's prepared by the pastor the Lord has put you under. And he has prayed for you by name as he prepares the message. And he has thought of you and he's asked the Holy Spirit to guide him and and preach the word in this local context. So it's good to hear that message even if you can't be here. But watching the sermon on the screen, as helpful as it can be, is not the same. It's not as beneficial as being physically present and listening to the preached word of God in person. You probably realize this. We experience the sermon in a different way when we're present as opposed to simply watching on a screen or maybe listening to a sermon online or on a podcast. Watching on a screen detaches you and the sermon becomes mere information and not a whole experience. There is a power and an impact that the media cannot convey, simply cannot replicate. And one reason is because preaching is not individualistic. You don't know how hard it was for me to preach to an empty room just to a camera. It, it wasn't right. It's not the way it's designed. It's not individualistic. I can't even say it. Individualistic. It's corporate. It's a corporate experience. It's not intended to just communicate information. It's this experience when we come together, a corporate activity experience as part of the one body of Christ. But when we're on a screen, that detaches us from that experience. And not just that, but it also detaches us from one another. So yes, it can be a blessing. And we want it to be a blessing for those who do indeed need it. But it's not the same. And God does indeed work through the preaching of his word and gathered worship in a way that he does not anywhere else. Isaiah says, if you call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it not going your own ways or seeking your own pleasure or talking idly, then you shall delight in the Lord. You shall delight in the Lord. It will happen. When you honor the Lord's day, as you gather for worship, God works in your heart, not only to assure you of his love for you, but also to deepen your love for him. It's my firm belief that our liturgical practices change our lives by changing our affections. That what we do here matters It makes a difference. It shapes us over time. Not every week is going to feel or seem significant or wonderful. Not every sermon is a home run. There are plenty of times when I'm thankful just to get hit by a pitch and get on first base some way. It doesn't always seem wonderful here or significant, but it is. Our gathered worship, our liturgy, it shapes us over time. It, it reorients our hearts to love God. It stokes the fire of our affections for our Savior. 
together we come and we taste and see that the Lord is good. And this happens, beloved. It can happen elsewhere, and by God's grace it does, but it happens here in a unique and powerful way in ways it doesn't happen anywhere else. And so if you want to grow in your love for the Lord, then make consistent presence and gather worship a priority in your life. And I thank you for doing that. It's such an encouragement for me to see you here week after week after week. Beloved, God made us to worship him. He commands us to worship him. And so when you come here, you come in obedience to his command. Psalm 29, ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Matthew chapter 4, Satan tempted Jesus to worship him. And Jesus wasn't messing around. He rebuked him. He said, be gone, Satan. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. In Romans chapter 12, Paul tells us basically that all of life is worship. In view of the great mercies of God, we are to present our very bodies as a living sacrifice. So all of life, a living sacrifice, spiritual worship to God. We were made to worship God. And God is glorified and his people are blessed and gather worship in a way that does not happen anywhere else. As we meditate on that truth, I want to briefly address two lies that often keep people from gathering for worship. Two common lies that often keep people from gathered worship. The first one says, I don't need you. I don't need you. And the second one says, you don't need me. You don't need me. The first lie, I don't need you, I believe it often comes from a heart that's ruled by pride by an independent spirit, the desire for autonomy, to be your own king. The second lie, you don't need me, it often comes from feelings of doubt, unbelief, discouragement, or maybe even selfishness. The lie, I don't need you, believes that he can grow, he can follow God on his own. I don't need the church. The other lie, you don't need me, thinks she has nothing to offer. No one cares. And both, beloved, are lies from the pit of hell. That's the voice of your adversary, the devil, the accuser of the brethren. In Hebrews chapter 10, you are commanded to not neglect to meet together. Now think about that. Even in the early church, they were tempted to stay home. They didn't even have the live stream back then. We're commanded to not neglect to meet together. But what's interesting is what the author says is the opposite. Hear these words again. The author writes, let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. Gathering for worship is vital for every Christian Because it is an essential way that God encourages us in our faith. There's an encouragement that happens here. In gathered worship, again, that does not happen anywhere else. 
God has designed us to need other Christians to keep us going and growing in our faith. And he has designed other Christians to need our encouragement. Read 1 Corinthians chapter 12 this afternoon. And you'll see that I don't need you and you don't need me is a direct contradiction to what God says in his word. Now sometimes this encouragement comes simply by your physical presence being here. You don't even have to necessarily say anything to anyone. But seeing you here and worshiping together with you is an encouragement. You know, when we skip church, it deprives all of us in two ways. At least two ways. When we miss church, it's not, it doesn't just hurt us, ourselves. It hurts the whole body. It deprives us in at least two ways. First, when, you, when you're not here and you're able to be here, <clears throat> it deprives you of the encouragement that you need from your church family. And it also deprives us of the encouragement that we need from you. Now we often say all are welcome, all are needy, all are needed. And this is what we're talking about. When we, see, when we say all are needy, primarily we're saying we are all in need of a Savior, Jesus Christ. We are all equally in need. But we also are saying we need one another. And that leads to that final phrase, all are needed. God has given each of his children a gift to be used to build up the body. We are all needed. And so, beloved, if proclamation is your home church, this is your family. These are your people. This is the context, the local church that God has put you in. These are the people you're called to love and encourage. And we are meant to bear one another's burdens, to encourage one another, not to go it alone. And again, that's something you can't do through the live stream. You do it when we gather together. And your church, we need you to be here. And you need your church. You need us to be here. Beloved, we have come to the living God. When you come, you're not coming to Crabill Mennonite School. You're not coming to a school gymnasium. You're coming to the living God. When we gather, we come to Jesus, the one who shed his blood for us. And we come by the Spirit, and we come to delight in the Lord. Colin prayed it. His opening prayer this morning, I thought he must have read my sermon. Because our greatest need is to behold the glory of God. And that is what we come to do. I cut that part out of my sermon this morning for time's sake. But that's what, and now I'm doing it anyway. But that's what we come to do. We come to behold the glory of God, to delight in the Lord, to glorify God and encourage one another, to be blessed by our generous, gracious God in ways that do not happen anywhere else. But here, So here, in our gathered worship, it is one of the primary places, not the only place, but one of the primary places where our gentle and lowly Savior does indeed give rest to the weary and fellowship to the lonely and comfort to those who mourn and victory to those who struggle an assurance of his love to those who feel worthless 
and assurance of pardon and salvation to those who sin and need a savior and growth in righteousness to those who hunger and thirst for him. Beloved, in gathered worship, the Lord graciously gives his people a foretaste of the future glory that awaits us in Christ that we cannot get anywhere else and he is glorified and his people are blessed. So welcome to the best place to be on the best day of the week. Amen. Amen.